Hey everybody, Jason Burmis here, and I've got a treat for you. We've got the infamous, the well-researched, the well-spoken, the genius mind, James Corbett of the Corbett Report on with us today to discuss everything China, because I get confused, guys. I don't have all the answers. I know James lives over in, in Japan. I don't expect him to have all the answers either, but maybe he has a different perspective, because, you know, we've had this kind of back and forth trade war, some arrests going on in Canada, some talks of companies being Chinese government fronts, but they're so integrated it's hard to tell, just like Google is so integrated with the companies here it's hard to tell, and China. And now you have this ban of five separate companies. One who is so much in bed with AMD, they're now asking if they improperly shared tech information. So then, you know, we have the G20, which just went down. If you want to see James's work, it's at CorbettReport.com. Make sure to like and favorite that website so you can come back. And now they're saying, hey, we're going to go back to the table and we're going to have talks. James Corbett, where are we in this mess? Good question. All right. So I guess we can look at it from the two-dimensional perspective of the U.S. versus China in some struggle that's taking place economically and perhaps militarily. And from that perspective, we can follow the latest moves about, oh, what, what are they talking about with regards to tariffs? What, what happened at the G20? How are the negotiations coming along? And what, what will the U.S. Get, get out of this, make America great again? All of that nonsense. But I think you and your audience know that this is much beyond that level. And so we have to look at a, at the very least, three-dimensional perspective of this. Um, I hate the fact that the MAGA crowd have co-opted four-dimensional <laughs> backgammon or whatever it is uh, to talk about these moves. But we have to look at this from a deeper perspective because it is ridiculous to imagine that China just suddenly popped up in the 2000s as this economic juggernaut competitor to the United States. Oh, how did that happen? Well, okay, now we have this new competitor on the global chessboard. That doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen... Uh, without a lot of groundwork being laid. And that's exactly what I've talked about in my podcast before. For example, if you go back to episode 297 of the Corbett Report, it's called China and the New World Order. And I go over a bunch of information about how China has been uh, prepped to take this place as the big U.S. economic competitor of the 21st century. And that's that process began in the late 70s, early 80s, um, at the time that uh, China started going down the capitalist road. There's the capitalist roaders under Deng Xiaoping that, um, that was in contact, direct contact with Rockefeller, uh, setting up the banking arrangements that became the basis for what in the 1990s became a huge boon in foreign direct investment into China. In fact, during the 1990s, U.S. direct investment into China quadrupled, and the R&D, uh, uh, there was a bunch of R&D firms that were set up in China under a who's who of the Fortune 500. They had Ford, Lucent, Microsoft, Intel, IBM, all of these companies setting up R&D uh, outlets in China, which of course always come with strings attached. China will let you set up this if you allow them access to this or that technology. And uh, so that's, that's one level of this. A much more interesting, I think, level is you can go back to whistleblowers, like there was a whistleblower at Lawrence Livermore Laboratory back in the 1990s, who blew the whistle on the Clinton administration, breaking the law, breaking its own rules to transfer technology to China, including nuclear technology, classified nuclear technology, when they were caught out on that. 
Uh, they decided to reclassify the technology. So now it's no longer illegal. Lawsuit over. Um, this, is, this is how this game has been working for decades now. And if we do not understand that aspect of this, then we can't understand what's happening right now. So what do you think this more, more than likely is? More like hostile takeovers? Because when we look at these technology industries, AMD, you know, the next big step is supercomputing, which we already kind of almost at the peak, but quantum mechanics and quantum computing. And Putin, for instance, has said, hey, whatever country controls AI first is going to be the dominant superpower. And I think there's, this is where we get into the conflicts of interest. Obviously, the Kissingers of the world, you know, the Nixon administration especially, they helped China start to rise. And in the 80s, when we saw Coca-Cola and blue jeans, it was just a matter of time until they became a technological superpower. We didn't get the free labor for free or the cheap labor for no cost whatsoever. And now they've built that up into a structure where we're in a global economy. So they're talking about now we're gonna have we're gonna have better trade talks. And I, I think that's like level one, like you said. You know, the amount of tariffs and taxes and that. I think we're talking about where's the supremacy going to be? How far are we going to let the Chinese regime get in relation to the United States regime? And, and what is your opinion on that? Now that you know you have Google, for instance, very heavily embedded with China. But in the quantum computing realm, well, they're in bed with NASA and Goldman Sachs. <laughs> so it, it seems to be a conflict of interest. But then you have Eric Schmidt on television saying, I want to work more with China. And I thought it was a great idea to work on that Dragonfly uh, censored browser. Because if it wasn't us, who else would do it? I mean, we've got to be involved, right? Right, 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 right. And now you get, for example, Apple, uh, the only piece of uh, hardware that they produced in the manufactured in the US, the Mac Pro, they're now moving to China. So, you know, <laughs> make America great again. It's all it's all just fireworks and, and distraction from the real issues. And you, you ask the fundamental important question is, how far will this be allowed to go? Because clearly China is being allowed to be built up into this competitor for the global superstructure. Um, I think we have to look at this in the template of history, because we have a template for what is happening right now. And that template was the deliberate building up and creation of the Soviet boogeyman in the 20th century. That The Cold War was an engineered conflict that was allowed to continue as long as it did um, by the forces that deliberately built up the Soviet Union to become a technological and military rival to the United States. The Soviet Union would not have existed as any sort of threat to the United States uh, at all if it weren't for the lend-lease agreements, the technology transfers, all of the ways in which American industry and finance cooperated with and helped the Soviet Union to build up. Uh, that is on the record historical information that was well documented by Antony Sutton back in the 1970s when he was still at the Hoover Institute before he started uh, revealing a little bit too much of the puzzle and got kicked out of Hoover and had to basically fund his own research. But that was what he was talking about. The best enemies money can buy. The Soviet Union was built up by American technology, by American finance. We now have, I think, a very parallel situation happening with China, that this is being allowed to happen. This is happening through American finance and through American industry, but American and Chinese, I think these, we are stuck at this level of the chessboard where we see national groups and national interests. I think when we're talking at the 
Kissinger, Brzezinski, Rockefeller, whatever, super gopher of the super elite level, they are not thinking in terms of strictly national interests. And I think the long-term plan is not for America to maintain its dominance on the chessboard. You can't get a new world order unless you destroy the old world order. Well, the old world order, the world order we're living in is the Pax Americana of the post-World War II period. It's 70 plus years old now. It's getting long in the tooth. They are going to overturn this order at some point. And I don't think the people in these positions of power above the national, the nation state level, they don't care about make America great again. They care about retaining their own power and dominance. And I think from that perspective, we can start to understand this is not about China and the United States. This is about an elite level above that that will be controlling and puppeteering these events. Well, I'm and glad who knows what that will look like on the 2D board at the end of the day. Maybe the United States will retain its position of dominance. Maybe China will come to dominance. But at any rate, it will be the same figures puppeteering whichever of these governments ends up uh, at the top of that pile. Well, I think uh, you know that's very, very correct, and I think you're looking at probably a 20 to 30 year timeline for that to happen. But for instance, you look at the social credit score that is now going to engulf the entire population of 1.4 billion people in China by 2020. Let's say they're behind a couple years. Let's say it happens in 2022, right? Who cares? It's still moving forward. And again, as that moves forward there, and Apple here, who has a lot of parts made in China, like you just said, has their own social credit score in beta on half the population in this country because they have some kind of an iDevice. Well, that's a problem, James. And let me say this, you know, you talk about the, the 4D or 5T or 65D backgammon chess game. Everybody's talking about the right and left. Well, on that level, in these economic trade levels, you look at that social credit score system that China is be able to run a society. Well, a lot of people complain about the United States being the policeman of the world. And we're about to get into another conflict in Iran. And this is kind of something we didn't talk about, but I got a tip on this today. It seems that in an astonishing turn event, not so astonishing to me, George Soros and Charles Koch have now teamed up to end the U.S. forever war policy. Oh, so they get to come in as the savior, as the benevolent couple, the one on the left and the right, and say, you know what, you're right. All these wars of dominance is wrong. How can we fix it? Well, I'll bet anything in the world, it has a UN or NATO solution, a global solution, an international solution that pushes us further into globalism and maybe says, you know that constitution, those Bill of Rights, that's what got you in trouble in the first place. And we need new international law and new international thought. You know, the Chinese have it right over here with this social credit score. So maybe we start implementing that globally and we won't have these problems in the Middle East and this one policeman, James. I mean, that's how my mind works, but maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Soros and Koch, we can trust them as far as we can throw them, right? Uh -huh. uh, yeah, Soros, this is the same guy who literally said China is the economic engine of the new world order. Um, go look that clip up. It's about a decade old at this point. But that is the uh, the way that the, I hate to say elite, um, the powers that shouldn't be have viewed China for a very long time. Going back to Rockefeller writing the, the obituary for Mao in the New York Times in the 1970s, saying that uh, his grand social experiment was a great success. This is the man who murdered tens of millions of his own citizens on the path to that great success. But that was something that Rockefeller looked up to. Um, it's uh, very revealing because, yes, clearly the Chinese model is 
the model that they're going to use. And in the same sense that Sudden was warning back in the mid to late 20th century, look, the, the plan is to ultimately merge the sort of the Soviet model with the American capitalist model to get this state capitalist socialist economy that they're going to to use to control the population. I think it's the same game. Uh, it's just that 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 nexus has shifted over to uh, to Beijing. And now, yes, things like the social credit score are. It's interesting to watch the mainstream uh, coverage of that in in the U.S. and and in the West generally, where this is China, so it's bad, and we have to portray China as the enemy. But, you know, Australia is starting to uh, to buy some of this technology from these Chinese companies. So I guess maybe we got to find a way to make it sound OK in certain contexts. Well, Bloomberg uh, actually really interesting went to watch all the that. way. I mean, Bloomberg went all the way earlier this month. I, I did a thing on it this week where they were saying, oh, it's not as terrifying as you think. And it's really just a bunch of bureaucratic nonsense. And they can barely run the thing. Meanwhile, they have real-time devices, track tracing and databasing everybody. They have the facial recognition. Yeah, and I pointed that out in my recent 5G episode with a really disturbing tale that is now just common everyday uh, life in China. But there was uh, an expat in China talking about the time he was jaywalking on some street in, I can't remember which city, um, within 20 seconds, he gets a notification from his WeChat app that the Chinese government has fined him however much, you know, 20 bucks or whatever it was for jaywalking because they identified him through facial recognition, instantaneously charged him, well, you're guilty, so there you go. And then they took the money out of the, the basically the national Chinese payment app at this point, WeChat. So it's just, it's all instantaneous. It's all linked in. We know this is where it's going. The only question is how long it takes to roll this out for the American public and the people of the West generally, but it is coming. Uh, and, and the only question is how they're going to do that sort of wrestling maneuver where, oh, China and they're the evil enemy and they're doing these horrible things. But actually, it's not a bad idea. And you know it's coming. It's just how they, they end up finessing the public with that. Well, absolutely. I mean, when you look at big data, when you look at all these smart devices that are in homes that are just there now, Google Home, the Echo, forget about just your phone and your smart TV. They're getting smaller. They're getting in more abundance. And now we have the facial recognition in the home from both Google and Facebook coming. Portal is one of them where this device that looks like a tablet but is tracking your entire family and taking your facial recognition and using ACR, AVR, and ASR, that's audio content recognition, audio speech recognition, and audio video recognition all day long on top of all your communications you use with it to grandma and Uncle Joe and your girlfriend. All of that's going to be in a big data profile on, on top of as many times as you take a selfie. And not only as you take a selfie, if it takes you seven times to take that selfie and how your expression was when you didn't like it. And maybe you talked to somebody and they said that one looked good and it influenced your decision. People have no idea how these analytics are actually working, coming into fruition, and how profiles are being built on a generation that thinks it's cool to get their genetics done by 23andMe. I mean, talk about <laughs> having a dossier owned on, by oh, the sister of the YouTube president, right? Oh, you know, you know, Shane Dawson, who I don't love, he did a great thing on the 23andMe conspiracy and Google, and it's like, whoa! I mean, and this is the guy telling me this. I mean, it's not on NBC. Weird. It's not on CNN. It's not on Fox News. It's not on any flavor of the quote-unquote news because the news is dead, James, and they're promoting this bullshit. So, on that note. 
I'm going to ask you if there's anything that we can do right now to kind of combat this situation and enlighten people that this is more than just, you know, red versus America, the commies versus the, the, uh, the United States, you know, the bad guys versus the good guys and how this is a global plan. How do we awaken people to this so that maybe, just maybe, we can forego this surveillance state society? Right. Well, if I had a simpler answer to that than what I'm already doing, then I would be doing it. But unfortunately, I don't know of the simple answer to that because it is such an overwhelming propaganda rollout that we've been subjected to really for decades at this point that it's difficult to see through that conditioning. I think one of the ways that you can help to get people to crack that conditioning is to show them historical documented examples and something like the Cold War and the way that that's, that conflict was managed and stage managed and engineered is at this point for a lot of uh, people, it, they've broken down the conditioning barriers. It's like you can talk about the JFK assassination because it's over half a century in the past and people kind of don't have the same emotional reaction to it. Well, maybe in the same sense, you can point out the Cold War and, and some of the information that Anthony Sutton was documenting uh, about that uh, in order to show, oh, well, what if that's happening today? And that might be one way to break down that conditioning. Another, of course, is to attack it from that angle of surveillance. And this is one of those things where I think that propaganda works through incremental conditioning. We accept this device, and then we accept that device, and then that application, and then this one, and it gets us moving to a point where if it had all been introduced at once, which it probably could have been technologically speaking a decade or two ago, but if it was all introduced at once, we'd step back and go, that's crazy. Well, let's not do that. That's, you're, we're literally putting George Orwell 1984 telescreens in our home and welcoming them in. We're paying for this spying technology to, to, uh, to surveil and track and database and analyze and uh, come up with new algorithms to identify all, you know, ourselves and all our family and everything. This is crazy, absolute craziness, but because it's just a little bit at a time, it seems not so bad. And I think an, a perfect example of that is the Keyside Project, uh, Sidewalk Labs in Toronto, where they're trying to build this little section of the city up from absolute ground zero. Uh, <laughs> ground zero, up from the ground, um, completely engineer a smart city from from uh, from nothing. And they're going to do this all at once. And so we see all these whistleblowers coming out and people quitting the project and people going, this is crazy. This is too much. They want to surveil everything. There's no privacy. There's no data protection. This is crazy. I haven't heard a single good story, even in the mainstream, about Keyside and Sidewalk Labs. It's gotten nothing but negative attention because it's all at once. And I think that's the thing. If we can show people all at once, this is where we're going. And if we can really get them to understand this is what's happening. And, you know, just every little step of the way is just leading us towards that. I think that's a way to break that conditioning that people are just sleepwalking into this. But again, as I say, if I had any better uh, plan than what I'm already doing, I would be doing it. I hope people, if they... If they see my work on the subject and if they like it, please do spread it around or Jason's work or whoever you think is doing good work on the subject. We have to get the word out about these things because our only part in this drama that's unfolding around us, we don't control the trade policy of the United States government or anything along those grandiose lines. We control what we do, what we accept into our homes, what we promote, and our, just our mind space in terms of whether we hate those Chinese, those dastardly Chinese, and whether we're going to get whipped up into another war fever based on engineered, manipulated information. Love it, James. 
CorbettReport.com is the website. I mean, he's doing all sorts of stuff. I know you got some in-depth stuff coming out on World War II. Do you, do you want to announce the uh, BJ project, or, or is that still under wraps? <laughs> I have no it's way. not oh, what people uh, think. The, I know. Oh, the VJ, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, like, yes, what are you yes, talking yes. about? Uh, yeah, well, people will see. People yeah, will see. Yeah, months. you got, you got big see. things going on, uh, Mr. Corbett. And uh, make sure that you check his stuff out. Support him on BitChute. What do you have, a <laughs> Patreon as well? Uh, yes, uh, Patreon, PayPal, all the evil ways to support me. Also, crypto, I, I accept. So people can check that out, CorbettReport.com slash members. But I never ever ask people to subscribe to me unless you're familiar with my work and you appreciate the work you want to support the work um because it's all 100 for free it's meant for sharing get the word out that's the most important part of this that's how you really support what i do well i shill out for subscribers my friend but at the same time i don't promise anybody anything on patreon or subscribe sorry i don't have them guys i'm doing this on my own for real putting out 30 to 50 videos per week if you want to see the internal documents of google telling you how to protest fisher price my first protest now you can protest on behalf of the media military industrial complex it's great stuff that nexium assange so much more john walker lind uh no one's talking about bella thorne outing uh as a disney star of six to fourteen being molested by everybody you could imagine everybody knew hmm think that'd make headlines it doesn't that's why we have a GoFundMe. Please support me. Please share this information for free. Please check out the Corbett Report. Check out his World War I stuff, guys. You want to talk about deep history. James Corbett does it better than anybody else, and I mean that, man. That, that World War I uh, two-parter, man, my God. <laughs> I mean, Three-parter, actually. Is it three? Maybe. See, I didn't even watch the third part. <laughs> <laughs> you have another half uh, hour or 40 uh, minutes to go yeah 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 exactly guys believe me this guy's up late nights he's doing great work you need to see his work i need to see the third part i didn't even realize the third part was out and i hadn't seen it james corporatereport.com slash wwi the whole documentary of course up for free with the transcript the audio the video everything you can imagine and i hope people will check it out because i think there are parallels to world war one and what we're going through today or, and the build up to war also let's just since you spilled the beans let's announce bj is barry jennings and you do have something to say about that uh but we'll uh as i say people will see in a couple months yeah i didn't want to ruin it i didn't want to be a spoiler but i didn't <laughs> want to think that people thought james got into hardcore pornography he did not i I promise you. <laughs> uh, we're having fun here. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you on the flip side. Burmese Brigade, CorbettReport.com.